in the tabernacle this morning and to report good news all around how that the Lord God has been good to us. Last Sunday, while uh, the vision was told, and most all of you was here, about that uh, serpent being killed at the center, that vision happened word by word within 24 hours after it was said here at the platform. It was gloriously how the Lord did. I've never seen one of them fail in all my life, and I'm 52 years old. Just perfectly, word by word, the way it happened. And I feel lots better. Lots better. And now, um, there's uh, all that I was speaking about, seeing about that uh, uh, acquisition, or not an acquisition, it was from honest-hearted, God-fearing man, who my ministry got just a little super, too supernatural, and they began to think that I was the Lord Jesus, and started a little doctoring about it, but it was all stopped at once. Thank the Lord for that. And just as soon as I got out of it myself and just let the Lord have it and committed it to the Lord, it was immediately over. Within 24 hours, it was all finished. Left me a little nervous and upset a little bit, but I'll get out of that after a while. Of course, it's kind of shocking to me, but I'm just doing fine and dandy. And um, we had great victories this week. I want to report something now. If I would have listened to what the Lord told me, that would have never come up. Four years ago, He told me, and my wife, which is present back in the audience here somewhere now, and my son sitting, was here on the platform a few moments ago, and many others, who's heard me say time after time, this is the last time I'm going to have any of that discernment. See, it got so... I tried to live real close to God. And in doing so, then it brings out... Uh, Something like uh, gets the people kind of in a twist so they don't hardly know what to think. And then on the tax case that we had, there would have never been one word about that if I just listened to the Lord. It's always where I do, where I disobey Him, it's where I always get in trouble. If I just listen close and walk with Him, and then it gets the, the ministry so supernatural. Sometimes until I'm, I was afraid I'd run over on that other line. But now I don't mean, I want to, everyone to catch this right, that I don't mean to say that I'm getting away, going to get away from the Lord, but I just don't want any more to express any of the supernatural, see. So uh, uh, in the way of such as the discernments and, and things like that. Now the Lord has been graciously to us doing this time. He's raised up Brother Neville, which has a word of prophecy. He has um, Brother Hickenbottom and many others of the brethren here that are absolutely through spiritual gifts in the church are performing miracles. And uh, let me just give you a testimony. There is a sister, Opal Weaver. I don't know where she's with us here in the church this morning or not. Are you here, Sister Opal? That I might not be able to, to see her. Well, several years ago, she was dying with cancer. And the cancer was in the female glands and went up into her kidneys. And they give her just that one night yet to live. She had gotten so low. And 
I went and prayed for her, and a vision came, and she was absolutely healed, and that's been about 15 years ago. She come in and out among us for years and years. The other day, she got into a case where she was got a bad sore throat and started hemorrhaging from her throat. Uh, it was suggested that she'd see the doctor immediately, and uh, that's when I was in Canada. And she called on Brother Neville, and Brother Neville went and got a Brother Higginbottom. I don't think Brother Higginbottom is sure he may be this morning. Brother Rupert Higginbottom is one of our former trustees, a fine brother. Is he here? Um, so uh, they went up to pray for the woman, and while they prayed for her, she'd been hemorrhaging now, I don't know how long, for days, two or three days. And she just kept spitting up blood, and Brother Neville prayed for her, and she never spit one more drop of blood. That's right. And then she had two growths, pides, or whatever it is in the roof of the mouth, kind of uh, blisters, or what it is hanging in the roof of her mouth, big lumps like. And she had not uh, had uh, any relief from them, and this, she said about the half size of a hickory nut. And they've been in her mouth for for quite a little while, days. And Brother Hickenbottom, as I uh, don't pronounce that German name too well, Brother Rupert, you forgive me for that. But anyhow, uh, and I may have this wrong right here. I, don't, I believe he, he has a gift of speaking with tongues and interpreting tongues. And uh, he laid his hand during this time upon her face. And she said, Brother Bram, not yesterday, not last night, but immediately those places left out of the roof of her mouth. Immediately. Then the doctors come up looking at her throat and everything, and they said she's got to go to the hospital because she has cancer of the throat. So we, they took her out to the hospital, and I didn't even know she was in there until I met our good pastor, Brother Neville, up here, and I was on my road to the hospital, and he told me that that the, she was out there. So I went up to see her, and her husband was sitting there, and five, four or five doctors had come in and taken a test of it, shaking their heads, said, indeed, it's cancer. Virus in cancer is cancer. So the intern came in, and he'd taken a, a specimen of it. He said, that, without a doubt, is cancer. I said, but sister, if God healed you once of cancer, let it be whatever it may be. Maybe those men are right. They're, they're trained men in that field to tell whether it's cancer or looks like cancer or whatever it is. That's their trained man for that purpose. And it looks like cancer, so they're saying it's cancer. And I said, it probably is. But she didn't want to believe it was cancer. So I said, but if God could could answer prayer up there to stop the hemorrhage, God could answer prayer, take those big things out of your mouth, let it be whatever it may be, can't God stop it right here? She said, Amen. And her husband sitting there, and she said, that's what I'm riding on right now. God will stop it. And I prayed for her, and they've taken the specimens out to test it and come back negative. But all of them said it was cancer, see? So, the thing is, friends, that He is God, and He answers prayer, 
Amen. And we're so glad that he visits us here at this little humble tabernacle. It's not much to look at, little old boards we throwed up here together many years ago for a shelter over our head, a roof over our head, rather, from the rains and snows and so forth. But many people are living today because of this effort. And to that we are very thankful. We're thankful for our trustees. We're thankful for our deacons. We're thankful for our congregation. And we're thankful for our pastor. We're thankful for every gift that he's given into the church. And we pray that he'll give these men understanding that they'll never get off on the wrong side, but stay right straight in the middle of the road with it. Never be exalted or anything. Whenever you do, you're finished right there, you see. Just stay humble with it. And see, now, then people coming in sick and afflicted to be prayed for while I'm resting now for maybe a year or two. Then God has provided a way to take care of it while I am resting a while. See? Uh, isn't that grateful? Uh, should we be grateful for that? God never leaves Himself without a witness. And so we're so happy for that. Now, this next week, the Lord willing, I aim to take my little girls that just got out of school on their little school vacation. So I pray that you'll pray for us. My oldest daughter in high school, she wants to see where Paul Revere made his midnight ride where he left the church there. And we shot up. Here in New England, we want to go up and see that. And I've always wanted to see Old Ironside. How many of you ever heard of the Old Ironside's poetry? Amen. It's my favorite of all that I know. Outside yeah. of Christian, that's my best. I just, I start to read it and I choke up and say, <laughs> go back. How could you sink it? It's just like taking a horse and killing him after he's made a living for you and your family. Amen. I just can't see that. So, uh, I think stinker, no, don't do that. When the British cannonballs hit against it and bounced off its old oak sides, I, uh, I couldn't see it take it out and stinker. Give her to the gods of the storm, the lightning and the gale. I uh, really like that. And then um, we want to come down, and uh, Mr. Kennedy hasn't invited us, but we do want to see the White House while we're there. The, I've been in it several times, but the kiddies wants to see it. And we'd be back home, the Lord willing. So you pray for us, and we're praying for all of our loved ones here who are on vacation. Many of them taking their trips to different places, and some of them are gone this morning down in Kentucky and Tennessee and different uh, places. So we pray for them. Now, there was something else I was going to make an announcement about. Oh, it's the baptismal service is immediately after this service, and then... Um, then I believe there's a dedication of babies. Uh, yeah. Brother was telling me about it. A dedication of babies, and uh, so many things that we have You're to read. I say. You're being in church tonight. Well, I don't feel to take in both services. You see, I take one, and Brother Neville takes the other, and uh, I can't. It isn't. Well, he's two of us here. Well, I'll work one of us down. <laughs> Is that right, Brother Neville? Uh, that's exactly right. And then. Um, Don told me to re tell you all to remember them, your uh, up pledges on the tabernacle at, at uh, the church that they're figuring on building as soon as they can get uh, enough appropriated together for the church. And uh, so uh, I had uh, 
seemed to me like it must have been when you told me about that, the baby's dedication. Yeah, that's what it was. And we'll have that immediately after the finish with this service now. Now, um, there's this to be prayed over clause, I suppose. Yeah. All right, sir. We will do that together. And, and Now, before we approach the Word, how many enjoys the Word? Oh, my. Living on the mountain. You notice you, you could see from last Sunday what it means to do it God's way. See, when I seen that was a spirit that had got among those precious brethren, there's no way for a natural man to take that away. So the only thing we had to do was dedicate it, uh, turn it over to the Lord, and a few hours it was all finished. Amen. I pastored. Amen. And me going away, being your assistant with you here in the work of the Lord. Amen. As Paul would say, I charge you before God Amen. and you like the angels, see? And to this church here, there is a perfect example on what to do if somebody gets out of order in the church. Amen. See? Yeah. Now, if there comes something up in the church that's not right, then let the individual who knows that's not right... Go to the person, and if the person will not uh, be reconciled, then the next thing to do is take a witness and go, or maybe one or two witnesses, and go to this person to get them reconciled or get the thing straightened out. Now listen close. Now, this is being taped also. And then if that don't work, don't never let a little ism or a little something, or a little bad feeling ever rise up among you. Get it out of the way right now. Well, that's a little, it's a little fox that spoils the grapes, you know? So keep it out of the way. Any little funny feeling, go and tell the person to it. Say, I'm, I'm wrong. I, I don't feel right towards you or something. Help me to pray over it. I'll get better because we don't want nothing but just purely the unadulterated Holy Spirit of God among us. That's all we want. And then with the gifts and things will work right and everything will be coming right. Why have a half a church when we can have a whole one? Why accept a substitute when the whole skies are full of the genuine, see? We don't want that. So if a little funny feeling ever comes up among you members, one to the other, you go to that person. You say, well, they did me. That is, remember, not if you have air or fault against the brother, but if the brother has something against you. See? Go to him. Be reconciled. Tell him that you... That you've had a strange feeling about him and you want to make friends and pray and go down to the altar and get the thing out of the midst of you. Now, Satan will constantly punch at you until you're finished on earth. Just remember that. You'll never have a time for what these are punching going on all the time. Because you're in a battle. Did you ask to come to Christ to go to a picnic? Well, you're sure going to be surprised. Because it's a constant battle. I've been on the field for 31 years and I've fought every inch of the way. That's right. Israel had to fight every inch of the way. They, they, Palestine was given to them, but they had to fight every inch of the way to get it. Now, remember this now. That if, then if there's something comes up in the church, then let the pastor, and if you, if you have to come get the pastor to take them to the person, then if they won't hear that, then... Come up before the church and tell it before the church. Give them so much time to be reconciled, maybe from one Sunday to the next. And if they will not hear the church, then the Bible said, Let them be as a heathen and a publican. 
That, see, as long as they are protected by the church, Satan cannot get to them. But when the church looses them from under the protection of the church and the blood of Christ, then Satan will go to work on them. That will bring them right into reconciliation again. See? You, you understand that, don't you, Pastor? Yes, sir. So that's the thing to always remember to do is to be reconciled. Come to God and go God's way. We've got... What does that prove to us? Two or three of our brethren that knows that I labor under this other for two or three years. That's right. But when I come to a place I thought was a man and I could finally love those men enough to get away from it, I took witnesses, but that didn't work. I had to bring it to the church. And then from the platform last Sunday, I said, I don't want to hear it one more time. I'm free from it. I turn it over to God, see, and commit it back to Him. And immediately shows that those people were called it. Now, if they had not been, when they come to the Scripture correction, and a man can't stand the Scripture correction, he gets all angry, blows up, it shows he's not right with God. Amen. Right. But a genuine saint of God will be reconciled to God by the Word. That's right. And the Word is the correcting way. Those brethren ought to be very thankful to God. That See, the Bible said that false Christ would rise in the last days and would deceive the very elected if it was possible. But it's not possible. No, so the elected was foreordained. So they will not be deceived, you see. So as soon as them brothers... They come up there at the house the next day. See, even till they got and they begin to give me their scripture, and then the Holy Spirit, by the scripture, just condemned everything they were saying. You see, so there it was. They seen then the elected group of people walked out in the presence of God. It makes me thankful for people like that. Amen. Yes, sir. That's real man. Amen. When you can see a man that's wrong and proven wrong, then it shows he wants to be a Christian. He walks up and says, "I am wrong." Yeah. That's, that's a real Christian. But that guy will all blow up and run around to one side and say, Oh, it was nothing to it and like this. Watch out, brother. You can see right then that he went out under condemnation because he wasn't of us. But always, Pastor, come to that Word and it'll do it every time. But you've got to stay with the Word. That's the reason when I come... Now, I don't have any more discernment in, in the United States. Never intend to the rest of my life. Just overseas in the foreign fields and so forth. Of course, as a gift, as a prophetic gift, that'll always be there. But I'll keep it to myself and just work it out. Because we're we're too late in the day now to get going on. We're too close to the end time. But in the foreign fields, it's just one or two cases on the platform. And brother, I mean, they've done gone. Then we got carnal impersonations of it. Oh my! Uh, it's as pitiful. Look, I want to. How many Pentecostals are in here? Raise up your hand. All right. Look, you Pentecostals. A few years ago, God really fell upon you and you began to speak with tongues. That's right. What did the devil do? He come around and give a carnal impersonation of that. He made out something that wasn't right. Got the people down to speak in tongues and make them say certain words and things to make them speak in tongues and so forth. And man living with another man's wife and all kinds of things and all kinds of some of them drinking, smoking and everything, still speaking with tongues. What did he do that for? To make the real trumpet give an uncertain sound to the people. Then who can prepare himself for battle? See? 
Then when this come up, now we got people out of the audience. This one right went right before me up there in Canada. Even the well, the agents picked him up as a homosexual. See, he said, "Well, God give me the gift of discernment." Said, "Hallelujah, I got some." Our Lord told me that somebody in here named John. We had a little woman here one morning. Come back there, you remember? Come back there, and she said, "The Lord give me the same gift." I said, "Well," she said, "I wish I had a chance to prove it." I said, "There's a platform," and you see what happened. Pure mass psychology, see. But when you see a Sister Snyder coming up and told her she had arthritis, that, that, that finished it. When yeah. Sister Snyder and I said, that isn't what's wrong with the woman. Amen. I said, she fell and broke her hip. And I said, she's not even standing there. Of course, Sister Snyder didn't hear too well. And she said, and what she had to believe was a growth in her stomach or something other wrong like that. I said, that's what it is that you're talking to the brethren about it all the time. See? But it's just, just to show that the church, see, that is carnal co- comparison, you see. And what does that do? It makes the real trouble. Now, when I was in Canada, they picked up this fella and went up there and said, right in amongst a bunch of Norwegians. And he said, uh, the Lord tells me that somebody in here, a crowd about ten times this size, somebody by the name of John, maybe Johannes, Joanne. Said right along in here, I believe. He said, "No." Uh, said it's right along in here somewhere. Of course, he took him out. In a Norwegian country, everybody had ninety percent of them is Petersons, Carlsons, John, Johannes, and well, certainly, see, certainly, it's got to get in there somewhere. Then the Lord tells me somebody's got back trouble. I feel my back hurting. Anybody that's been raised to the Scripture knows that that's psychology. That's certainly it. But see what did it do? Then the man was picked up right there by the, the FBI from here, sent up there and picked him up up there. The Royal Mounted Police and the Ministerial Association come to me and a homosexual. They say, well, Brother Bram's probably the same thing. That's just the way it runs. See? What is it doing? To give the trumpet an uncertain sound. See? Just exactly. That's the way it always is. Trying to do things like that, to give an uncertain sound. That's Satan's business to do that. But now, don't never vary from that word. Remember, I charge you before God, stay with that word. Don't you never vary from it. And if those things rise up amongst the people and things like that, there's a genuine, every time you got a false, there's a, there's a bogus dollar that shows there's a good dollar it was made off of. When you hear some hypocrite speaking in tongues, you can't say he's got the Holy Ghost, but remember, he's impersonating some genuine article that does have the gift of speaking in tongues. When you see those things that's false, remember, they were made off of a real one. God is the originator of all good things, but Satan impersonates those gifts. Well, I get on that. We won't get into your lesson, will well, Madam, excuse me just a minute. Yes, brother. Please, I wasn't here last Sunday, and I got wind of what you were speaking about a few months ago, and I was really disturbed about it quite a bit. I felt to come and tell you about it and tell Brother Neville. But I felt also that you know why I made it not for prayer. And this morning when I came in the tabernacle, uh, I didn't know what had taken place. And one of the precious brethren came to me this morning and asked me to forgive him. And I think that was a Christ. Amen. And I think it's very commendable of the brother. Yes, sir. He was trying to give the, he was trying to bring the doctrine to me. Yeah. And I would not accept it. And he asked me to forgive him this morning, and I did forgive him in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Brother Ben Bryan. Now, that's that's exactly... I'm glad you said that, Brother Ben. You see, because that... Um, 
those men has been around everywhere making restitutions. Now that's real Christianity. That's Christianity at work. When you're wrong, go up and admit you're wrong. Stand up and say, I'm wrong. See, forgive me. Now a guy that tries to hide it back, then he's got something he's covering. No, sir. I like... Like a little doctor here in the city. <laughs> I won't tell it on him, but anyhow. He had a little something he wanted to do, you know, and I said, Oh, no, Doc, you can't bribe God. I said, You have to lay it right out here on top of the board. That's right. We have to go right down like that. Of course, a man was perfectly innocent of trying to do anything wrong. He just, he just thought it would be a good way that he could get a piece of ground. He wasn't trying to do it evil. He was trying to do it right. But he just wanted to... He said uh, he knowed some way that he could go around and get somebody to do a certain thing and cause this fellow to be influenced over here. You don't do it that way. You just come right straight out. Stay right with the Word, and then you got it. Stay right with the Word. God blessed him and done a great thing for him. Yes, sir. All right, let us bow our heads now for prayer. How many would like to be remembered in prayer? I know one lady sitting here in a wheelchair would certainly like to be remembered. Trust in this sister here, all or look all down through the place. Now, let's lay aside everything now and enter into worship. That's why we're here for for about the next 35, 40 minutes for worship. Now, Lord, as we quieten ourselves before you, feeling that our great Joshua, the Holy Spirit, our divine leader of this day, as Joshua quietened the people before Moses and said, We're more than able to take the land because he was looking not at those Amalekites or Amorites, but he was looking at a divine promise that had been given by God. And in this day of turmoil and this condition that the world is in, and upon this beautiful Sabbath morning we quieten ourselves before you, and say amidst of all the impersonation, the carnal comparison, in the presence of all the evil and the misled spirits, ah, we look to the Word of God and say we are more than conquerors. God said that he'd have a church that would be without spot or without a wrinkle in it. And we know that we will see that church someday. And we're striving as members, believing that we are members of this great born-again congregation of God in the church upon the face of the earth today, we solemnly approach God in the name of the Lord Jesus. And as we come humbly, we ask that you will lay from our minds and our hearts all the things of the world, all the toils of life and the wearies, and that you, O oh God, will put us in a state of worship. That we might worship thee through the hearing of thy word. Now John in our lesson this morning wept much because that there was no man worthy to take the book. In our hearts we could weep this morning, Lord, for there is no one that is worthy to open this book. 
one's weeping was just for a little season. Soon he was consoled and the lamb came and took the book. Oh, Lamb of God, this morning come and take the book and open it to us, Lord. We wait upon Thee. In our insufficiency, we wait to be sufficed by Thy presence and Thy Word. Many hands were raised up to Thee, O Lamb of God. We know that Thou knowest every heart, for You knew their intentions. You're just as much God today as You ever was. And You always will be the same because You are perfect and infinite and You cannot change. We're asking this morning that You will suffice us everyone's request. Grant, Lord, that they'll all be satisfied as they leave the building that they have been in the presence of God, going away with the desire of their hearts. Lord, don't forget to include me in that number too. For I ask that in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, let us turn in our gracious book... Expecting the Lamb to open the seals or to open the book to us. Let's turn now. We're in the fifth chapter of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Now unto my friends all over the different parts of the world that will be hearing this by the magnetic tape. In here I might say that I have to express doctrines and so forth to make this. And any man that has not a doctrine has not a ministry. So if you don't think that your congregation should hear the tape, then keep it from them. But I'm just expressing my own opinion and my own feelings, my own revelation of the Word of God. Now... A few months ago, we went back and background, the, a few days ago rather, we went and background the fourth chapter, the third chapter to the fourth, and now last Sunday we background the fourth chapter to the fifth. And now today we want to background the fifth and lay a foundation for the oncoming sixth. And today it's my purpose to set in order the Scriptures for maybe in the future, I don't know when it will be, but if the Lord provides someday to take seven days meeting in the tabernacle on the seven seals. We had seven church ages, now we're going to take seven nights of the seven mysterious seals of God opening a seal each night. It comes down to the seven seals. I don't know when the Lord will provide that, but if He does, I'm just going to lay the background of it this morning. And getting down on the last verses of this script, uh, portion up here, a part of Scripture, we will bring in the 70 weeks of Daniel. And the last three weeks tied in with the Pentecostal Jubilee that brings in the people to the left. The last seals, and then be sitting ready for the Lamb to open up the seals. 
And remember, the seals are a mysterious thing. The book was sealed and it was on the back had seven seals that was not even revealed in the book. These things are not even written in the Bible. But if anybody would give an interpretation of it, it would have to compare with the rest of the Bible. And oh, I'm sure you're going to get a blessing out of it, or I think you will. I'm trusting you will. I just barely got on my coat in time to get down here this morning, right? Because it was uh, sitting in there reading the Holy Spirit just flooding me over and over with His goodness. And I, when I seen it, I thought, oh, if I could just say it down there the way you're giving it to me here, we would all have a real time. But somehow when you get up before the people, uh, you, then you don't feel like you do when you're to yourself in prayer or anything else. But now... To start back on the first verses, we find out, now to background where we left off last Sunday, we find in here that Paul over in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 told us that we are have the earnest of our salvation, the earnest of our redemption, for it is the Holy Spirit that is the earnest of our redemption. And this, the next few weeks of teaching will all be based upon redemption. See, upon redemption. Not upon justification. Not as based on redemption. Not upon the, the mutual office of intercession but upon redeemed. Oh, an inheritance that was lost or forfeited and has been redeemed back to us again. And how it all come about. And how God planned it before there ever was a world. And how secure the church is anchored I think it's come to a time that when we got to know how we stand, how can you do anything unless you got faith in what you're doing? Amen. You've got to have faith. And that's my purpose of doing this with the church here, is to give the believers faith and confidence in what they are standing for. Because it is the word of the Lord. Amen. Then as long as through the scripture it's solidly placed from Genesis into Revelations, back and forth and up and down, not a way for the devil to move in there anywhere, then you've got perfect confidence. Amen. You know where you're standing. Same thing would be with our sister here that's in the wheelchair. Or maybe others that are sick and afflicted. If you can have perfect understanding that it's God's good pleasure to make you well, there isn't enough devils in the country to keep you sick. That's right. When you understand that it's God's good pleasure to make you well, that He has did it for you, and you understand how that you are to go do a certain thing, it's like this. If I told you with all my heart 
if you were hungry and starving to death, and you had supreme confidence in me as a truthful person, and I told you where there was a thousand dollars laying, how you get to it, what road you go, exactly where to go to, and you understand exactly where the money's laying. See? Then would you start rejoicing right then, just the same as you had the money, if you believe me. So you see, before you ever get feel any different than anything else, you can be just as happy over your healing and saying you got it because you're positive, sure you got it because you got confidence in the one that promised it to you. Your, your confidence is that he cannot lie. And he's told you exactly where it was laying at. And then you, uh, you got confidence that you're going, you've got it already. Because that is your faith, which is the earnest of your redemption. In other words, you're trying to be redeemed from sickness. And your faith is that substance of that blessed, or rather, it's the earnest of your healing. As long as something says in your heart, I'm the Lord that heals you. That's just as good. That's all you need. Uh, you can start just as happy no matter what happens. If you, don't get, if you get worse, you're still just as happy as you was. You're perfectly well. Because you've got that assurance that it's over. Amen. How many understands that now? Let's see Amen. Amen. There you are. This evidence of things not seen. Now, we find out then that in this first beginning of the chapter that we find that the, first, the fifth chapter is just a tie block. It's, it's a, a diamond hitch that ties the last part of the church age of the third chapter. The fourth chapter tells what John was taking up into heaven. And the fifth chapter is preparing for these where you went through the seven church ages then John's lifted up in the fourth chapter, and the fifth chapter, he's just setting the scene here for the opening of the seven seals. Just as he did in the first chapter of Revelations, opening the way for the seven church ages. There he stands in the seven golden candlesticks, and he's to look upon a jasper and star of stone, and he's preparing for those seven church ages. Now, he's preparing for the opening of those seven seals of redemption. See, that's what the fifth chapter is. That's the reason I kind of read it and then just take it from there and talk on it. Give the other parts of the scripture is because it isn't verse by verse something that's happening. It's preparing for something to happen. And if you get the preparation, then you've just, you're ready for it then. And that's the way it is by faith or anything else. Now, the, the seals, I've got some scriptures and comments and so forth throw down here. Now in Ephesians 1 and 13, 14, we, if you want to write it down, that we have now the earnest, the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. In other words, it is the assurance, the earnest is the assurance, the down payment that we have been received into Christ. It is the blessed hope and insurance 
that we do have eternal life and are heirs of everything that He purchased for us. Amen. Oh, my. Can you see it? Oh, when we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, I keep quoting it because I don't want you to miss it. It is God's seal of approval that everything that Christ died for belongs to us. It's God saying, I have received you now. And I'll give you the seal that you're just waiting for that time. To our full redemption. And that is that we have been partially already redeemed. As I said the other Sunday, I believe it was, down here on this lower line is where the sinner rides. Muck, dirt, filth, grime. Now you, they might be as clean, take a bath every four hours. They might dress in the very best of clothes. They might be polished scholars. And it's filthy and dirty as the smutty walls of hell in their soul. See? Now the Christian rides above that because he has the earnest of our inheritance up here. He's been picked up, lifted up out of that grime and filth up here. And he rides above it. Oh, I like that. As Paul Rader said at that time, on the log, you know, he said, I'm riding on it. Amen. I'm just riding on it. That's where it is now. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a little foretaste. I've been permitted to sip at the fountain of glory divine. Amen. I'm now a heir of salvation. I've been purchased by God, born of His Spirit, and washed in His blood. No wonder this is my story, this is my song. Singing, our, singing His praises all the day long. See, lifted up above the shadows, out of the grime, a foretaste. We have the earnest now of our complete inheritance because God has already pulled loose the ground roots from the things of the world and has planted us on higher grounds. Lifted me up, set me, transformed me from the things of the world, took out roots, branches, everything, and lifted me up out of the mire clay out of the old muck of sin and planting me on top of Zion's hill. Hallelujah. Amen. Set up in the orchard of the beloved saints of God. And now we are citizens of that kingdom. Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, all filth and gum and nastiness gone from our minds. Our water... Bodies are washed with pure water and our hearts are sprinkled by the blood of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit is abiding with His breeze blowing through our branches all day long. Shoving us and pushing us and making us take good roots and grow down deep. Isn't that wonderful? The earnest of our salvation. Our 
lost inheritance, this chapter reveals. Our lost inheritance has been reclaimed by our gracious, precious kinsman redeemer. How God came down and become changed cast from God and was made man in order to be human, to become a human kinsman redeemer, to redeem back a natural world to a natural people. Amen. How that God, the supernatural, became natural to become a kinsman because he could not defy his own laws. He had to come by the kinsman redeemership because that's the way he, it's his plan. That's the way he did it. God knowing that man would fall, yet he could not make man fall. God knowing man would be lost, though he did not want anybody lost. But to order that the great display of the attributes of God might be manifested to all men, that he could be a redeemer, he could be a savior, man had to fall. He was in him to fall. They was in God to redeem him again. Amen. That's right. We have to have nighttime to make daytime right. We have to have sickness to make us enjoy health. Everything a pro and con. Now, and our kinsman redeemer, now I want you to notice here, I'm looking right down at this fifth chapter. When he looked at it, fear not in this fifth verse. Fear not. See, always you don't want to get scared about anything. One of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And lo, behold, in the, lo, in the midst of the throne and the four beasts, in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. A lamb. Why didn't he see the lamb before? The Lamb had been seated on the Father's throne inside the, the guards. John could not see into there. He only seen those four-headed, or those uh, four beasts standing there, those four um, cherubims standing there guarding that holy place. And we got it last Sunday and over the other lessons. He seen that, but he could not see what was beyond that. And in there all at once there appeared just mysteriously, suddenly, there was one, a lamb. Now, to sure, it was not a natural beast lamb because it took the book out of the right hand of him that sat up on the throne. The so lamb couldn't do that. See? He was, he was, he was a uh, lamb was Christ. In other words, in his uh, attributes, he was meek and gentle like a lamb. Now, notice, it was a lamb redeemer. A lamb redeemer just like the first God never can change. Amen. Amen. The first Redeemer was a lamb. In the Garden of Eden, it was a lamb that God offered. And here it is again, come over in Revelations, it's again a lamb. Amen. To redeem what? The fallen condition and the fallen inheritance of a fallen race of people. A lamb comes back to redeem. Like ours was at the beginning. To redeem us and redeem what? 
What's He going to redeem us about? To break, bring it to anything is redeemed is something that's been lost. It's something that's been lost and then it's been brought back again. What does He bring back to us this land? Everything we had at the beginning. What did we have at the beginning? Eternal life. We as heirs of the Word. Amen. We had life. We never had to die. We never had to be sick. We never had to get old. We never had any wearies. There's no funerals. No graves. No evil. No death. No gray hairs. No stooped shoulders. No mourning. No crying. We had life eternal. We had a jurisdiction over all the earth. We're just a God. That's all on the earth. Walk about if this tree didn't look like sin, he would say, Be thou plucked up and set over here, and it would do it. The winds is blowing, we didn't want the winds to blow. Peace, be still, and it did it. What did he come to do? To redeem all that back to us again. Amen. <laughs> Get all that back again. Now, nature in itself is groaning, waiting. For the what? Manifestations of the sons of God. Amen. For the sons of God to be manifested. And we have the earnest of our salvation now and can take our brother that's dying with cancer and stand with that little breath of redemption and pray a prayer of faith over him that'll turn a shadow of a man back to a healthy man again. What will we do when our full procession Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Nature knows that. Nature is groaning and we're groaning with it. Nature is waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God because nature was cursed with its master. When its master was cursed the highest, then nature fell with the master. But when this kinsman redeemer come, hallelujah, and redeem back the man, it's a master over nature. Then all nature's waiting for the big master. What do we do? Take the axe and spit in our hands and chop the tree down if we want to. That day, we won't do that. <laughs> Amen. All nature is waiting for its master. And the master is the sons of God. It was given this earth. Now God will have His heavens, of course. But this is given to man. And the kinsman redeemer come to redeem us back to that we lost. How beautiful. My, I just think that's a lamb redeemer. When the work is finished, we have all things again. What kind of all things? We have all power. We have eternal life. We have eternal health. We have eternal youth. We have eternal power. Oh, we're just eternal with the eternal. And then we're all waiting for that time to come. Waiting and groaning, waiting. And this seven-fold book of seven redemption plans has been brought to us, and that's what this book holds. Now we're going to get over in the 10th chapter where this mighty angel proclaimed something and he had a little book that John had to eat. And when he did, he got it into his belly and it was bitter. But in his lips it was sweet. When you have to digest it, then it gets bitter. Everybody's against you. Everybody telling you you're holier order. You're this, that, or the other. See? You're, you're out of your head. 
so it's hard to digest it, but when you're testifying of His glory, it's sweet in your lips. That's all. Yeah, when you stand up in the meeting and say, Glory to God, how, oh, when you're going through that great siege, it's hard. But then when you're out of that great siege and can testify of it, then it's sweet in the lips. That's right. That's this book of redemption. Now, now we want to give one more little illustration of the fifth verse here. And then we will start over on, get our sixth verse and start off. Now, I want you to notice in the plan of redemption, how God foreshowed it. He worked it out perfectly in Ruth and Boaz. I, that's where it ended up last Sunday. Now I want to begin right there now today on Ruth and Boaz. Now there is four stations or four junctions in Ruth and Boaz. The first is Ruth deciding. How many ever heard of me preach the message? Let's see your hands. I know all of you, I guess. I've had you had on tapes and so forth. Ruth first she had to decide whether she was going to go into this land or not with Neoma. She had to make a decision. Then as she got there, the next thing she had to do was serve in the field of Boaz, out there barefooted, gleaning behind the reapers. Serving. And then after she had found grace in Boaz's sight, then she had to wait till Boaz done the kinsman redeemership to take back all Neoma lost in order to bring in Ruth, the Moabite. And then the next stage is, is Ruth rewarded. Now watch. Ruth deciding perfectly, oh, anybody say that Bible wasn't inspired, there's something wrong with them. Every word of it's inspired. Every word of it fits right together just like a dovetail on a, on a, on a plank. It just goes perfectly together, like the cogs on a mighty wheel turning. Just timed to the millionth of a second, just exactly right. Now, notice in this now, Ruth deciding, she had to make a decision whether she was going to decide to go over there or not. She had to make a decision. Now, that's the way every believer has to do. You've got to leave your old haunts. You've got to leave your old life. You've got to leave the old things of the world. Brother Roy, when Sister Roberson got sick, oh, I just thought maybe she was sick or something. I was going to say, bring her up here if she had gotten sick or something. Um, they had to leave the old haunts of life or something like that and, uh, and cross over into a new land with a new people that you never knew before. Is that what you've done? you become a Christian? You left the pool room? You left the nightclubs. You had to come over into a bunch of people that looked like had spasms. They quivered and shook and cried and shook their head and jumped up and down. And why? Why it was a is a, a crazy bunch to you. Amen. So you had to make a decision whether you would go or not. Amen. That's right. And you know that when you did, your own people was going to make fun of you. Amen. The ones you left. Is that right? Amen. That's just automatically. You just say, oh, I'd expect that to begin with. Because that's the way it is. Amen. Now, Ruth had the same thing. What would the moment I'd say to her when she crossed over to go over to Israel? To a bunch of fanatics. See, she had to make a decision. She had to decide. And you've got to decide. And finally, when she made up her decision, she went over into the... The new land. Now that's justification. Is that right? 
Now watch this church. Oh, it's perfect. You know how we, how many of you heard the seed of Abraham when I preached on that? How the justification, sanctification, baptism, the Holy Ghost. Now see where this is right now. Ruth making her decision, the type of the church, the Gentile church. She decided and crossed over into the land. Now a lot of times we Methodists and Baptists, we think that's all you have to do. She just got started. She hadn't got nowhere yet. She just got over into the land. Now, the next thing she had to do, she had to work. She become a legalist. She had to work out her own salvation with fear and trembling like you did. She went out into the field and put her clothes up on her and went out into the field and gleaned behind the maidens in order to get sustaining food for the day. Is that right? What was she doing? She was trying to find favor with Boaz. So she worked her way through the stage of legalism. And that's exactly what the church did. The Luthers believed it by faith and come into the land, but the Methodists taught sanctification, which was a legalistic standpoint of it. See, you've got to do something. I gotta quit. I gotta let my hair grow out. Said the women. Of course, they don't do it no more, but they they did do it. Let their hair grow out. They had to quit wearing. Uh, the paints in their faces. They didn't wear their skirts long and, and, and uh, uh, or sharp like the others did. They had to do something. See, that's what she did, the state of justification, the state of sanctification. Now, when finally she found favor with Boaz, what happened? Then Neoma told her, you wait here. Amen. While Boaz does the work of a kinsman redeemer. Because he is the only one that can do it. He is our next kinsman redeemer. And you just wait here. Don't go in the fields no more. Don't do this, that, or the other. You just wait until the kinsman redeemership has been fulfilled. And she rested. Amen. That's exactly what the church has come to in this last stage of Pentecost. See, in the beginning of Pentecost, they all worked up and they had to do this and they shook them and everything else. Now, what is the church doing? The true church is just resting. What is rest? Here it is. Rest is the Holy Spirit. The Sabbath day, the Seventh-day Adventists want to tell us, you know, about being the Seventh-day Sabbath or something like that. And Hebrews, the fourth chapter, said, We which have entered into His rest have ceased from our works as God did from His. Amen. So the Sabbath is the Holy Spirit. And when Ruth was resting, it was a type of the church resting in the promises of God. Amen. We have the earnest now of our salvation. We're not worried whether we're going over there or not. We're going. Amen. Right. God said so. Yes. Amen. God promised it. And we've got the earnest. Amen. Amen. It doesn't been received. Christ has accepted us. Amen. No way to get away from it now. Hallelujah. Amen. All you have to do is just wait till he takes. He's down doing the kinsman redeemership. We have the earnest of it right now, waiting for the time that when he comes back 
And then what next thing Ruth was? Ruth was rewarded. Amen. That's what the church did. It entered into justification under Luther. It went into sanctification under Wesley. Went into the baptism of the Holy Ghost in this last days and now resting with the earnest of our inheritance that we know that something happened in us. We passed from death unto life and waiting, growing with nature for that time when we will receive an immortal life and immortal fullness. Our bodies will be redeemed. Hallelujah. Everything's redeemed. Glory. And we're just waiting from Him to return back from the gate. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Then what? Ruth was rewarded. That's when we'll be rewarded. That's what this seven sealed book is going to open up to us. What is these things? They're mysteries. They're not wrote in the Word. They have to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. But if you'll notice, actually they are revealed all down through the Scriptures, but they've been hid from the people. When we get to the roll after a while, you see how it was fixed. Then you'll know just how them things open up. Now, yes, resting. What? Ruth under justification. Do you see it? Say amen. Amen. Ruth under sanctification, laboring, legally. Ruth resting, waiting for Boaz to return from the finished work. Now, our Boaz did finish the work at Calvary. But before he come to take us to his home, he goes home first in John 14 to prepare a place for us. Let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house is many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. But I'll go and prepare a place for you and return again to receive you. See, Boaz goes down. What did he do? He goes down, stands up the elders, went before the gate, hooked off his shoe and said, Let it be known today that I redeemed the Oma. And all of her inheritance, he got the Mobanite with it. And when Jesus came, who did he come to redeem? Israel. What did he do in taking Israel? He got the Gentile bride. Sure he did. When he took Israel. He went there, he went to his own. He had to, what was the first thing he had to do? Redeem his own. And the Gentile church is just a sister to that woman. The Israelite church. Certainly. So he had to redeem Israel in order to get this. He had to redeem Neoma in order to get Ruth, his bride. Now what did he do? Before he could take her, oh, Lord. What did he do? He goes out to the farm. I guess he painted everything all up. He put new rugs on the floor. (laughs) Oh, he, he might have built a new house. In our case, it is a new house. Amen. And he got everything ready, and then he returned back with the cassage on for the wedding. Amen. Amen. What was Ruth doing? Not one thing, resting, waiting. <laughs> no more toils, no more frustrations. Do I have to be a Methodist? Do I have to join the Baptist? Do I have to be a Presbyterian? No, sir. Just get the Holy Ghost and rest. Amen. <laughs> Watching for the coming of that glad millennium day. Glory! Glory! When our blessed
Blessed Lord shall come and catch His waiting bride away. Well, amen. Oh, oh, earth is groaning, crying for that day of sweet release. All of it. Nature's groaning. The fig leaves, everything is waiting for that day of the blessed release when that kinsman redeemer comes back and takes his bride. Now she's resting under sanctification, no, under justification, no, but under both justification, sanctification, and into rest. Now in Isaiah 28 chapter, in the 18th verse, it says, Precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little, hold fast to that what's good, for with stammering lips and other tongues will I speak to this people, and this is the rest. This is the Sabbath. This is when the church goes into wait. Look how we come right through justification, sanctification, now into the baptism of the Holy Ghost, resting, waiting. What is, now, now when we get to these revelations, you'll see what it is now. See? How the, just these things could not be taught to this day. They, wasn't, they could not be taught. They wasn't open to the sons of man. The Bible says so. I can show you here in the Scripture that it said it would not be open until the sons of man until this day. And now we're ending up on these great blessed things. Oh. Now, all right, the sixth verse, well, part of the fifth, the elder in the fifth verse was right when he said, Behold a lamb. But when he looked around, he saw a lion. <laughs> it was a lion instead of a lamb. But then what was it? His mediator work was done. Mediatorial, he was quit being the mediator at the end of the church age to become the lion of the tribe of Judah. His mediator work was done. And he was to become a lion, which was a judge. Now, and he took, when he took the book out of the hand, I remember when a man went to redeem, don't forget it now, when a man went to redeem, he took man with him, went to the city gates, being the elders. And there he, he, he announced his purpose of being there. That's what he did. He went to the gate and said, I'm here for to claim myself as a kinsman redeemer unto this inheritance, and I'm here making myself known before these elders of the city. See? And when the John wept, now someone, as I said last week, they said John wept because that, uh, he could find nobody worthy. It wasn't that. A man under the influence of the Holy Ghost wouldn't weep for that. Thought that because he wasn't worthy. Maybe John himself wasn't worthy. But nobody worthy. But he didn't weep because of that. I believe he's weeping for joy. Because that he had seen the whole plan of redemption was wrote in this book here. It wasn't because there was nobody worthy, because there stood a lamb right there was worthy. So he was weeping and I said, Oh, glory to God. This ain't reckon when he goes to shouting. <laughs> now what we find him here a weeping. Because that uh, he was so happy because that the lamb had taken the book. Uh, for the uh, out of the hand of him that sat upon the throne. And as soon as he made, when this angel, this mighty angel cried out, Who is worthy? He was advertising right then. He was advertising for a kinsman redeemer. And immediately after he said, Who is worthy to take the book? Then something, then John started weep. Then what happened? He seen there stood the book. There it was, but who was worthy? Well, there stood Gabriel. Of course, he was worthy. But see, he wasn't a man. And he was an angel. And there stood Michael. He was worthy. But he wasn't a man. He's an angel. So it had to be somebody that became an earthly person like we did. And then when he seen this lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world come up, and he seen him been slain all the way to the foundation of the world, and John wept. Amen. <laughs> hey, because that's what? 
coming of the kinsman redeemer and here he stood a lamb. And what did he do? Walked over to the throne where the Spirit of God was at and tucked the book out of the right hand of him and sets up on the throne and all the elders fell down and said, Thou art worthy because thou was slain. See? And then he became then his book uh, or at least the book of redemption or uh, uh, the book of intercession in the church age was finished. Now he becomes a redeemer. Now the revealing of how he did it is going to be in the seven seals. Now we notice that like uh, when the book of the meteoritical work of him was done, the work was finished. Now in the first three chapters of the church finished. But now redemption, redemption is to be revealed. What is it? Now when he took this book, now uh, try to put on your deep thinking because we ever get these seven nights, you're going, to, you're going to get it. Now if you don't get it, just raise up your hand and say, I don't, I don't get it. Because I want you to be sure now. Now, notice, redemption, after immediately, after his intercession was done for the church, then he reveals himself as the kinsman redeemer. You follow that now? And now he's going to reveal to the church how he did it. And then if this revelation has already started, then that proves within the road. Now, you just see whether, this is, whether it's right or not as we go through the Scripture here. We find out what was being revealed. What is the revelation of redemption? How was we redeemed? Just look here in these last few years what's happened. The revelation of the name of Jesus in water baptism. Amen. The revelation of no eternal hell. Amen. There was no one before. Thinking your loved ones would be for eternal. See, you can't have eternal life unless you're saved. You got eternal life, then you cannot be burnt in hell for eternal. You'll be punished for your sins with your natural life, but you cannot have eternal life in hell. If you got eternal life, then you cannot burn forever because there's only one form of eternal life. Amen. And um, Amen. I'm sure the church understands that. Amen. Now, what is it? What other things? The plan of redemption? Just look what's been given to us lately by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Abraham's seed. Amen. What the revelation is. The serpent seed. Amen. See this book of revelations? Watch when we get to it how it feels at all. Amen. And I'll prove it right here by the scripture that's exactly the truth. Amen. I'll run back, in, run back in Genesis and pick it up. And show them that seal open and come right back down to the Bible. From Genesis to Revelations. Just think, from Genesis to Revelations, there never was nobody baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Amen. It's a false baptism. I stood before 300 and something preachers of the Greater Ministerial Association of Chicago today and proved that until they all cried to one another. Amen. Praise the Lord. Seventy of them is coming to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. And the serpent seed has been from Genesis. If the serpent... If he had no seed, then Christ was not born. Because he said, I'll put in me between your seed and the serpent seed. And if the serpent seed was a myth, so was Christ a myth. So is the church a myth. See, it's all. You can't separate it. The serpent had a seed. And that's the one that really staggers him. Why can't you understand it? Because they don't have the revelation of it. Why don't you come and argue with me? Pope, it's open all the time. I don't meet anyone. I wouldn't argue with them, but I sure discuss it with them. If they want to ask them out there before the association. I want some of you to tell me where it's wrong. 
Don't stand off in a corner and talk about me about it. Come up to my face. Let's have it real. Let's come up here and see who's right and wrong. But they won't tackle it. <laughs> Frankly, no better. See, because not me, but it's the Holy Spirit, the very angel of God that you see. What about these days here when all these things taking place? And this angel of the Lord standing here. I wouldn't know these things, but it's an hour. It's here. When we get through these seven spirits and seven horns and things today, if the Lord willing, you'll see where it's at. Amen. It's, it's an hour that we're in. That these revelations are supposed to come. It's the book of Revelations, the revealing of Jesus Christ. And we found out the very first chapter, He revealed who He was. Now He's getting the seven seals revealing how He redeemed the earth. And one of us by the name of Jesus Christ. The other was taking the fear out of people. But eternal, eternal redemption. Justification by faith, sanctification, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what? That we are eternally secured. Taken all of the doubts away from the people. If you've got the earnest of your salvation, God's already sealed you to the day of your redemption. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of your redemption. Now, how do you go to backslide? You might backslide, but you can't be lost. And if you say that Satan it showed that you didn't have it in the beginning. Praise the Lord. But if you are a child of God, the worshiper once purged has no more conscience of sin, says Hebrews. That's true. So you can't you can't be a Christian. You can't have the Holy Ghost and not live in the world. If you love the world, the things of the world, the love of God's not in you. So you're just listening to a false sound somewhere. The devil got you all puffed up. But if you examine your life for the Word of God, it shows you're living right down that Bible pages, then you've got eternal security. And there's nothing to be fearing about. What God promised, God will do it. I challenge any person to take that. You just take that walk with that word and watch what happens to you. Brother, it will bring to pass everything God said so. Everything that God promised will happen. Ben, I've done told you that my work was starting. Here it's been almost 15 years around and around the world and not one time has it failed. Amen. Why? Because basically I stood on God's promise. I know it was the truth. Well, let me try to tell you some of my great wisdom, but the one who revealed the secrets of the heart is the very one that showed me in the Scripture because I didn't even, when I first started preaching about 30 years ago, I had to have my girlfriend sit and read the Bible. I couldn't even read it. That much education. Sister Wilson, you ought to remember that and hope you used to read the Bible to me. Back there, I sat and read it and I'd say, hear what it said. Do this what it says. That's all I know to tell you. And all it did it why they got right. That was all. I, I should say, God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. I said, how many please it? Read next, honey. Gave His only begotten Son, who served me, don't even have eternal life. I said, how many believe it? Hear what it said. I couldn't read it myself. So see, I had no way of learning from any school. But oh, I love that school I went to. Oh, back out there in the little cave somewhere with my hands up to God day in and day out like that when the Holy Spirit come down in His sweetness and begin to reveal Himself and saying, this is thus and thus is thus. And not one time has any man creature of any kind ever been able to lay his hands on anything of it. And regardless of all the fanaticism and everything else that swept the land, God's held it high and clean and marched around around the world. It shall be light in the evening time. That's exactly what he said. Now, 
It's a book of the revelation of God revealing Himself. And now, through these great mysteries, He's revealing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism. He's revealing that there's no such a thing as an eternal hell. There cannot be. There's no scripture in the Bible says there's such a thing. Now, there's a hell. And there's a lake of fire. And we're the wicked that are punished, but they're finally consumed. Maybe a ten hundred million years, but they're finally consumed. Because you cannot have eternal life unless you're saved. Amen. And if you burn eternally, you've got to have eternal life. Well, common sense would show you that. Amen. See? How can you have eternal... How many know if you've got eternal life, you're saved? Amen. Well, if you burn for eternal, won't you have to have eternal life to recognize it? Amen. Yes. See, it just don't even make sense. Amen. Now, security... Those who He foreknew, He called. Those who He called, He has justified. Those who He has justified, He has already glorified. Paul told us in the first chapter of Ephesians that God, before the foundation of the world, has predestined us into the adoption of sons through Christ Jesus. John tells us here in Revelation that the enemy in the last days, that religious enemy, would get amongst people and have organizations and so forth and cults and so forth as they have today and would deceive the very elected if it was possible and would deceive all whose names were not put on the Lamb's Book of Life since the very foundation of the world. When was your name put on the Lamb's Book of Life? Before the foundation of the world. When was Christ slain? 1900 years ago? No, sir. Before the foundation of the world. The Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. See what it's doing? It's these seals opening up. Just begin to reveal the plan of redemption. How you did It's all over now. Just about, just about finishing up. So we're at the end time. So that's why the, the things are being revealed. Alright. Now, our kinsman is handed a seven seal book of redemption from the original owner. The original owner, when we lost it at the Garden of Eden through Adam, it went back to the original owner, but there's been a poacher on the land, a squatter. That's Satan. He come over, he's a poacher. This earth don't belong to him. Belongs to God. But he's a poacher, a squatter. Man, I can say something right now, but I better not. It is the title deed of our redemption. The seven seal book. It's the title deed. You wait till we get into those seals. He breaks the seals, reveals, gives us his inheritance to his people. He gives the inheritance that he inherited, becoming kinsman redeemer, and freely gives it out to us. It all belonged to him. He was the one who redeemed. But instead of keeping it himself, he gives it back to the people. That's his love for us. Oh, Satan, the possessor of it, now the squatter, uh, he is finally, uh, he don't want to give it up right quick. We find out here later on in the scriptures, I'm thinking over here in another chapter. And he didn't want to give it up right away. But he had to fight over it. But finally, when he was brought to a showdown, he was cast into the lake of fire. That's right. Amen. Jesus, the name Jesus in the Gospels, has four titles of son. Did you know that? Jesus has four titles as son in the gospel. One of them is the son of David. One of them is the son of Abraham. Another the son of man. Another the son of God. Now watch. When our kinsman redeemer becomes Jesus Christ, he becomes the son of David, which is an heir to the throne. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory. Hallelujah. He heir the throne by being a son of David. Amen. 
that he would never leave David. Never leave David without a seed. And Christ is the son of David. That he become our kinsman redeemer and waiting, giving a place ready where he can reign with us. As the son of David, he's an heir to the throne. As the son of Abraham, he's an heir to the royal grand. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Is that right? He's an heir to the royal grand. Amen. Palestine and all sinners. Abraham's seed. He was the son of Abraham. As the son of man, what did the son of man, what did man lose? He lost the earth. So as the son of man, he's an heir to everything in the earth. All this he's got has given back to us. That he's returning back as he was. Now, then as the son of God, he inherits all things. As the son of David, he's heir to the throne. As son of Abraham, he's heir to the royal grant. As son of man, he's heir to the earth. As son of God, he's heir to all things in heaven. That's our Redeemer, our kinsman Redeemer. Now, notice! Oh, this does me so good. This is where I, I really get beaten. Now, let your hearts loose to God just for a few minutes. Listen to this. Satan is a squatter. He don't legally do this. And he's had 2,000 years of fuss. Whether he owns it or somebody else owns it. But Christ came as the kinsman redeemer and redeemed it back to us. Amen. But Satan possesses it. But you know, after a while this great fight's over, he'll be cast into the lake of fire. See? He'll be done away with. And all them who worships with him. But the heirs of salvation will come with Christ. Now, he's a squatter. Now remember, in the Old Testament... If uh, a man lost his inheritance and a squatter come on his land, he could not hold it any longer for annihilation from the owner until 50 years. After 50 years, the year of Jubilee came by. And the year of Jubilee, when the year of Jubilee come along, then everything went back to its original beginning. All slaves, they went back to the original beginning. If a man was flowing in the field and a trumpet sounded, and he heard it, he'd throw down the hole and say, I'm no more a slave. I go back home to my family. Everything was given back. If a squatter was on the ground, he had to get off the ground. <laughs> he got off the ground because why? The legal order was coming back. Yes, he gave away. One of these days, the kingdoms of this world will fall. And the legal owners will come in one of these days. in dispute from the 40th day from the beginning of the first day of the cleansing of the sanctuary where Christ went to Calvary there was 40 days until the ascension it was in debate whether Satan's group would take it and say that he did not raise from the dead they began to start out a proclamation along there and say that the disciples come and stole him a night you've read the Bible and he said that his, his uh, people come and stole him a night and paid the soldiers money to say that. But it was in question, and everybody was in question. Well, really, maybe it does belong to the organization, and the whole thing belongs to it. But on the 50th day, 
was the day of Pentecost. Now, 
Oh, brother, I thought I would just, I would have to leave her go till next time I get in here. I got about six pages here yet. Or, okay. No, we got a baptism of service coming up. Let me read this, a couple of these little things right here. The year of Jubilee. All right. Now you, you all take down the scriptures. Jeremiah 32. And we get to six verse if you, and when you get home on to read it. Now, Jeremiah, to let you see what this scroll is, I'll get this out. Let's take the scroll anyhow. That'll give me about another ten minutes. Uh, the scroll. Now, you remember, this book was sealed. Now, a book in the Bible times was not a four-corner book like this. It was a book like this. That was called a book. A scroll. How many knows that? Sure. It was a scroll. All right. Now, this, this book was sealed with seven seals. Now, it was a Bible, and it was sealed with seven seals. And now watch how this was done. Jeremiah, when he, um, when he uh, was going to be prophesied that he'd be carried away, Jeremiah now, the 32nd chapter, he was going to be carried away over to captivity down in Babylon. It's going to be down there 70 years. He prophesied it. New Bible readers have been to it many times. And um, he was going to be taken down there for 70 years. And he, he was actually the closest kinsman to his cousin who was deceased. His cousin, H-A-N-A-M-E-L. Hamaniel. He was the, uh, his next kin. So that he knew that, that the enemy would hold, a, hold the, the papers and so forth of his place. But when he knew that God would never forsake his people, so when they come back that he might have and be a rightful owner to the inheritance, here's what he done. He had it all drawn up. How many ever read it? All right. He read it. He read it then. All right. Now, he took and sealed it just exactly the way these scrolls were sealed here. It's a most beautiful, outstanding thing that you ever seen. Now, we'll go try to illustrate with this piece of paper. I don't know whether it can or not. Now, here's the way it was wrote up like this. Now, he'd done it, and he sealed it like this, each down. Now, what happened? On each one of these seals was wrote around here his inheritance. And what taken place and all the ones that fell before him and how he come to inherit it is all sealed like that. Now, that's the way God's got his seven-seal book. Now, just as he tears this off, that revelation comes plumb back around, runs all the way around to the back side of the book. That's why you can take the name of Jesus Christ and run it from Genesis to Revelations and show there's no such a thing as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. See? It goes all the way around through the Bible. It reveals it. Then you take like, there is an eternal hell. You pull that off and run it all the way around. There never was an eternal hell because in the beginning God said that hell was created for the devil and his angels for their future punishment. That if hell is eternal, how could it be created? The word creation never did, uh, the word eternal never did begin, never came in. Then it always was a hell if it's an eternal hell. There's a hell at the same time, the same time there was a God, there was a hell. Before there's any sin, there's still a hell. <laughs> oh my, you can't make it. So you watch as these things unfold themselves, it runs right back around and opens up the book. So now this 
Wesley gives a picture of the entire Bible and the seals that has got the Bible hid from the eyes of wise and the prudent, God by the Holy Spirit is opening them up like this and revealing them right around through the Bible. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, brother, I tell you, that just gets my, my uh, spiritual gastronomy stirred up. <laughs> see? see, I look at it. See, it's, it's like, you understand what I mean? See? Here it is. It's sealed. Now, if you watch and read here, go to Jeremiah and see how he, he, he sealed it. Now, there's the book. It's wrote in there. Now, just as a time for the first revelation, then he opens up the seal. Now, you watch and see what that first seal was when we get to the seal. Then time for the second seal, he pulls the next seal out. And do you know where we're at? We're almost on the seventh seal right now. And when the, seventh, when the first seal was opened up, the first trumpet sounded and the first flag fell. When the sixth seal opened up, the sixth sounded, and the sixth flag fell. Just watch it. It's the most beautiful thing that you ever seen. And when I do, I'm going to get me a big, great big blackboard, bring it up here, and just teach it right across here. So we just take plenty of time on each seal, and go back and take up the history and things and prove just when it happened, and show right here in the Bible when it said it would take place, and write exactly when it happened, just the date and everything else. I got it. Amen. Got it for him. Right. There's the seal. Now, when Jeremiah wrote this book, was sealed. Here's a good thing I want you to notice. All of you read it. That, that sealed book, now remember, he was going to be gone. He had prophesied. Now he didn't know it only through prophecy. Are you following me? Amen. Through prophecy, he knew through the revelation of God that there's going to be away from that country for 70 years. You remember him prophesying that? Yeah. He'd be 70 years, they'd be in captivity. So he wanted to be sure that this seal, that his inheritance would be kept. Because he had, uh, he uh, inherited his cousin's uh, inheritance. So he had it all wrote up legally. And what did he do with it? So it wouldn't rot or rust. He put it in an earthly vessel and put it away so it wouldn't rot or rust until them 70 years was expired. Amen. Glory to God. I hope you catch it. <laughs> do you see what God did? He never revealed it to the house and prudent so they could fuss about it for all this time. But he put it in an earthly vessel and he created himself his own son, Christ Jesus. And in this last day now, he's opening the seals and showing it to his church. Kept it in an earthly vessel so it wouldn't run the rest. morning where death seals could not hold him any longer but he broke the seals and rose up and proved himself in this last days that he is alive. Amen. He's in his church. Amen. He's the same yesterday today and forever. And that's been hit from seminaries. It's been hit from organizations. And in his last days he's revealing it by his own presence among his people. He gets somebody he can get the world out of them and the things out of them, the church entity out of them, so he can speak to them and reveal and open these seals like this himself. Hallelujah! Oh, don't you love him? Our plan of salvation, the same now being revealed in Jesus Christ, how you revealing in this last days through his opening up the seal. Why nobody, you never heard it wrote on in your life about the seed of Abraham. How they went through justification, sanctification, baptism, the Holy How that angel would come in the last days, have his back turned to the congregation, say just exactly what Sarah was thinking in her heart on the inside. 
That was until this day. That's right. This is the day. And the faith of Abraham, the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, one thing here, I got here five things that I can speak up just a second, just as quick as I can. Look. The seven, there's seven seals, and there's five sevens in God's plan of redemption. Five is the number of grace. How many knows that? J-E-S-U-S-F-A-I-T-H. Five is the number of grace. Six is the man's day, and seven is his day of redemption. Now watch. Now there's seven seals in this, uh, or seven uh, stages in this uh, great plan of redemption. There is seven, what? Seven seals of redemption. Seven spirits of God. We find that if you want to see, say seven spirits, let me see here just a minute. The fifth chapter, beginning at the sixth verse, I believe um, uh, we see here the sixth verse. And behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven heads and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. What is those seven spirits? Them seven messengers. There's Saint uh, uh, Columbus and uh, Irenaeus and uh, and uh, John Wesley and Martin Luther and so forth. See the seven spirits, which are seven men, seven angels, which are seven messages, seven seals, seven spirits, seven angels, seven horns, and seven churches. See seven sevens. There's five sevens, which seven is perfection, five is grace. God's grace to his seven church ages, his seven messenger man, man, his seven spirits of God, the seven planned seals of redemption we're in right now. The seven horns means seven ages, because a horn means a kingdom. Remember the crown come up on the beast's horn, Daniel, and so forth? See, it means a kingdom, or seven ages. And remember, Jesus said, some fellows sleep the first watch, one age, another in the next watch, the next age, next and the next, come on to the seventh watch, and in the seventh watch, the bridegroom comes. Then all of them awaken. Remember that? Amen. So it's seven ages, with the seven horns, and seven churches are the seven dispensations of the body of believers. Oh, it's just as perfect as it can be. Jeremiah, my, the book, ages, how's redeemed, how... The seven and last one of these seals, when they're open, it's found in the Revelation, the 10th chapter, there was a mighty angel, which was Christ, came down and put one foot on the land and one on the sea and raised up his hand and says, the day is finished, time has run out. <laughs> it's all over, time shall be no more. And he said, at, the sounding, at, a, at this time, the mystery of God should be finished. Who God is, how He was made manifest. How when that seal was open, how we begin to understand now how that He was the Son of God. He was God Himself made flesh. And the revelation of who He is. That should be finished before this angel can put His feet up on the land and sea and swear that there will be time no more when this time comes. We're right in that front yard of it right now. See? The last one of them is Revelation 10. Foot on land and on sea. Time to run out. Redemption is over. Now He comes in as a lion. He was lamb then, now he comes in as lion of the tribe of Judah. Now let me just read the rest of this so I can get it to you right quick now. And the eighth verse. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the twenty and four twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, 
and prayers of the saints. Now, this is the time when everything must be worshipped. Now, remember, how appropriate. Now, don't let us miss this now. This is cool. When all the mysteries of the church age was finished, when all the mysteries of the plans of redemption them seven seals was open, and right immediately after this, now look, it's time for, for everything in heaven and everything on earth to worship God. Now watch what takes place. Listen to this, just listen to this just a minute. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy. Look at what a worship this was. The elders, the beast, everything fell right before you. See, like that when he made his complete plan. It's time of worship now. See. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Listen to them redeemed souls crying out there. And I beheld, and I heard, a voice of many angels around about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. Everything in heaven is worshipped in this land. Sing with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Listen. And every creature, listen to what John did. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and underneath the earth and such as are in the sea and all that is in them heard I, John, saying, Blessings, honor, glory, power, be unto him that sat upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. John must have really had a Pentecost of his own. He said, every creature in heaven, every creature in the earth, every creature beneath the earth, every creature in the sea, heard me sing. Amen. Glory, honor, power, and blessings be to him that sits upon the throne. That Lamb. Time of worship. Amen. How did they do it? Here's his word. You, they all heard it. And the four beasts said, Amen. You're right, John. Just shout and praise Him as loud as you can. And heard me sing, Blessings, Amen. Glory, wisdom, power, and might. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped Him that said, That liveth forever and forever. What a beautiful story. Now, I don't have time. I got written some context on it here. But our next meeting, before we can get into this, maybe when I come off my vacation some other time, I want to dip these 70 weeks of Daniel and tie it right in here and show it where it takes it to the Pentecostal Jubilee and brings it right back with those seven, pla- um, seven seals open here just before we go and show that it's at the end the uh, Lamb, the Messiah, the Prince should come and it should be for 70 weeks, that's seven years that was prophesied to His people. And the prince would be cut off in the midst at three and a half, a half of seven, and three and a half would be cut off. And the daily sacrifice would be done away with, and the abomination make a desolation, which the Muslim of Omer stood on the temple grounds the day when they burnt the temple. And then there is three and a half years yet left to the Israel. And Christ came and preached and prophesied just exactly three and a half years, and the daily sacrifice was taken away. 
Everything just as perfect as it'd be. And the Muslim of Omer was built on the same ground that stands there to this day. And they will tread down the walls of Jerusalem until the Gentile dispensation be finished. The church is taking up the elect of bride out of there. And the two prophets, Elijah and Moses, turns to Israel for them. Other two and a, two and a half, yeah, three and a half years. It's the most beautiful thing when you see it brought out. You love him? Amen. With all your heart. You understand now what the seven seal book was? Amen. What it is. We got it in the scroll now. And just remember, just in these last days it was kept in an earthly vessel. You understand that now? Amen. And who was that earthly vessel? Jesus Christ. No man had it. Nobody had it. It's only through him. It wasn't even written in the Word. Amen. If it was written in the Word, it was hid so that you couldn't even find it. That's right. So it's in him that it's revealed. And in an earthly vessel so it wouldn't rot or rust. And then he comes and pulls back one to his church and says, See, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Now, you've always wondered where the, where the poor sinner would burn for eternal or would he just become annihilated after a million years? Here it is. That's how it was. There's no such thing as eternal hell. Couldn't be eternal because hell wasn't with me when I began back yonder. I created to punish the wicked in See? What are you so scared about? See? About Abraham's seed and all these different things. Just That's just, just the outline of it. See? But when you get into God opening up them seals and showing it, come right on down. You see, when you do then you can't get away from this book. Them seals. You say, oh, the seal meant something else, Brother Branham. Wait a minute. It's got to compare with this. Amen. Because it was sealed on the backside of this to Amen. reveal this. Amen. It's, what is it? What was it? Right here. Jeremiah. You say, a certain, certain thing happened. You pull this out. Here's where that is. All right. Tear that off and look back here. Here's where it read. What happened. All right. You tear this thing off here. Look here. That's what happened. See, that's the same thing that this book is. See, on the back side of it, you say, well, I can't understand. Some said Father, Son, some Holy Ghost, and some said Jesus' name, everything like that. It's been hid all these years. But now, here she is. She rolls right back. It goes right back through the show. There's only one God. There was but one God. And His name is like the book of Matthew. 28, 19, Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. And Father's not a name, and Son's not a name, and Holy Ghost's not a name. Now you go to baptize them. Amen. Which one of them names you go to baptize them? Well, they're not of names. Then what? you ain't go baptize any name then. That's school of prophets again, see? Then you come back to this place over here, and you take over here and run it back, and go back to Matthew 1. What do you do? Just pull that right back and take it back here. Now the birth of Jesus Christ is on this wise, not three gods now, see? When his mother was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Ghost. Not God the Father. The Holy Ghost. Huh? All this is done. Joseph, her husband, a just man, not willing to make her public example, his mind had put her away privately on these things. While he thought on, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not taking thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the God the Father, the Holy Ghost. I thought God the Father was his father. I'm saying this because of baptism coming up. I thought God the Father was his father. Now, either the Holy Ghost and God the Father is the same one, or he had two fathers. Then he's a bastard child. And then what kind of a God have we got? Hmm? See? And this is all done that might be fulfilled. It's spoken to the Lord by a prophet. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son that shall call his name Jesus. Is that right? And he'd be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. Now see, when you pull back to see what is the whole thing from Matthew, the first chapter, you go back. Why? Well, Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Peter said. Yeah. The day of Pentecost. That's what all the rest of them said. 
course, this bunch of Romans had to come along and say, oh, no, we got to have three gods. We got, they got 10,000 of them now, these Marys and St. Cecilia's and St. Marcus and St. So-and-so. I think it's 500 and something in Mexico City. A woman got killed some time ago by some of her lovers, and they got in a fight over and they killed her, so they make her a saint, and people doing repentance to her and everything like that. Spiritualism. And here the Protestant church comes around with what they call the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, preserver of heavens and earth, and a holy Roman Catholic church, and I believe in the intercession of saints. Communion of saints. Protestants saying, under the oath of God, that he believes in the communion of saints. That's spiritualism. Then they go ahead and do it, sure, because the church said so. Oh, God. How glad I am to know what I know. <laughs> How glad I am to know what I know. Not realizing they're stealing themselves just plumb away from God out into darkness. Like that. And you can't tell them because they can't absolutely see it. I want to ask that no one has to say this. There's at least 15 or 20 people sitting right here was guilty of thinking that I was Jesus Christ. How could they do it? I was right on to them until I found out that God told me it was a spirit. And that man, I said, and that man believed me every word. I said, how do you believe me then if I tell you? And then we got to the word. Then they began to see. said, well, sure, we didn't believe you. We would listen to what you said. See there? But they actually thought they were right sincerely. See? And when those spirits gets on you, that's God. See, you'll absolutely believe it. I don't care. You Nobody can tell you any difference. See, no matter how much the Word says so, you just don't believe it anyhow. Just go on. If you want to be that way, you go ahead and I'm have my own way. See, that shows you're anointed with the wrong spirit. Yes. The Spirit of God. Will... Well, you say, what about yourself, Brother Branham? I asked anybody. I'm always ready for anybody to show me what's right and wrong, but it has to be the Word. Amen. It has to come from the Word. So that's where these seals open. And don't you ever worry. If it's a seal, it will declare itself from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. So there's the seal. Don't you love Him?
not here, but in your heart to God, you're making a public confession. Lord, I know we're at the end time. I'm finished. The other day, I was talking to a little friend of mine here in town, Dr. Sam Adair. We're sitting in the office. I said, Sam, I've been having some gas. He said, how do you know it's gas? Around your heart? And I said, yes, yeah. so that might be the thrombone on horse, heart, horse, horse trouble, heart trouble. I said, excuse me. I said, it might be heart trouble. I said, now, how do you know that it's that? He said, let me look at you. He examined it. said, no. Anything wrong with you? I said, Sam, whenever it comes, I'm 52 years old, and Sam's the Lord in me. I said, when he comes, Sam, all these 30 years I put in trying to get people to believe on Jesus Christ, and the one that I love and worked all this time for, it don't make no difference to me when he comes. I'll go home. He said, Billy, you know where I get my greatest is doing something for somebody else? I said, that's real life. If you've got an inheritance here in this world, friend, it's a corruptible inheritance. But we receive an inheritance that fadeth not away. The prodigal son went away and left his inheritance, and he took part of it with him. When he returned back, his inheritance, his inheritance was defiled. But if you run away from yours, it's not so with the kingdom of God. We receive an incorruptible inheritance. Don't you want to receive it? There's been about 15 raised your hand sinners that want to receive their inheritance this morning. Would there be another before we pray? Yes. Real slowly.
the trail there. We see our children, our loved ones. Oh, God, what a day, what a day. No matter what we receive here on earth, it's, it's, it's all going to fade away, but that won't fade away. God, I may never be able to talk to these people to raise their hand here on this earth. I don't know. I hope I do. But if I don't, then, Lord, let me meet them down on the trail there. They might say something like this, Brother Brandon, you were down on earth before this great thing happened. One morning he was speaking on the, the opening up of the seals of being kept in an earthly vessel. It was that time that he came into my earthly vessel. I was going to raise my hand that morning. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad that I was there. I said, Brother, sister, I'm so glad that I was there too. Now we're at fellowship together through all ages. Bless them, Father, they're yours. He said, no man can come to me except the Father draws him. And all the Father gives me will come. None of them will be lost. So we're, we're grateful, Father, for that. May they come on now and get the earnest of their salvation. Not to join our church, but the earnest. It's not a church joining, but a new birth. Amen. To receive the Holy Spirit. May they receive it, Father. For we commit it into thy hands in the name of Jesus Christ. these handkerchiefs. Lord Jesus, I pray over these handkerchiefs and ask that you will bless all that are needy. All that you're, Lord, this poor woman sitting here in the wheelchair. After this great meeting this morning, Father, feeling your Holy Spirit all saturating through us. Feeling the word going down deep and taking roots in the hearts of the people. They'll never forget it, Lord. Every time when they hear these things, they'll think of them seals being opened up. Now help us to know what those seals were, Lord, so each one will not be a puzzle in his mind, but he'll know from thus saith the Lord that it is the seal of God, the seals that God unfolded to us. We pray that you'll heal all the sick and afflicted. Grant it, Lord. Your spirit is present. If you can save a sinner back in the back of the building, you can heal a sick person there too. I pray that you'll grant it, Lord, and heal those of these hanks represent that could not get here today. We commit it all to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you have a little baby here who wants to be dedicated. Is that woman here with the little baby? We're bringing it up at this time. We'd be glad to dedicate the little song. Well, it don't have to be little. You come. Some of the elders come stand with me, if you will, at this time. How old? Two and a half years old. What's his name? Scott. Scott. Scott Ford. Scott Ford. Little Scott Ford. Four and a half years old. Wants to be dedicated this morning to his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His mother brings him. Shall you come forward, brother? Yeah. Gracious Lord, we bring to you this little baby this morning in the way of dedication. Laying our hands upon the little baby, this little boy... And ask that the power that raised Jesus out of the grave will quicken this little boy. God, may he live in health and strength. May he live, Lord, to your glory. How you've already set him to help this baby. We thank you for it. And I pray that you'll continue to be with the little fellow. Be with his parents, his loved ones. May we know and we're taught. That all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Amen. How these things Hallelujah. sometimes draw people closer to you. I yes. pray that you'll grant the blessings that we ask. And now, Father, in obedience to your word, 
We commit this little boy to you in the name of Jesus Christ. May you receive his little spirit, soul, and body and use him for your glory. Amen. God bless you, sister. God bless you, little Scott. How we thank the Lord for that. Now, who's going to be baptized? Is there a group of people to be baptized, I believe, while we're making ready for that? Let's sing... um, uh, I'll tell you what we might do. Let's sing... uh, I'll let Brother Neville do it. <laughs> I know it'll be all right. All right, sir, Brother Neville. You love the Lord, say amen. Will you pray for me?